Matthew 21, 18-21 In the morning, when he returned to the city, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree by the side of the road, he went to it and found nothing at all on it but leaves. Then he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the tree, fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they were amazed, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? Jesus answered them, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do no doubt, not only will you do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it will be done. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, send your spirit upon us, that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. It's springtime. I guess we can tell that from the weather outside. It's kind of gloomy today. I'd love some sunshine, but it's a coming. And springtime, or most importantly in Colorado, after Mother's Day is the time that we can start thinking about our gardens and planting and all of that stuff. So it's time for Dylan Gardening Adventures. I know I've told you about many of them over the years, and it usually these adventures usually highlight the non-greenness of my thumb um, and how I kill things, and it makes me sad. Well, the saga continues this year. So, um, I don't know, about a month, a month and a half ago, Jim decided that this year for our garden, instead of buying plants, he was going to start them from seed. Great idea. Support this. So he got this tray, and he planted all these little seeds in these little compartments, and there was a plastic cover over it. And that just kind of did its thing for a little bit until one day he took the lid off, I guess it was like a greenhouse effect in there, and boing, there were like all these tiny little plants, and they were so cute. They were sprouting up. It was like they were growing in front of our eyes. They were growing so fast. They were beautiful, and they were precious, and every day I talked to them, and I told them how sweet and cute they were, and how they were going to grow up so big and strong, and be so fruitful with tomatoes, and peppers, and cucumbers, and it was just amazing. I think they really thrived under my love. Then, at the end of April... I took a Celebrate vaccination trip to San Diego to see my friend Trudy. And so one night when I called back home, um, Jimbo was talking, and he's like, oh, yeah, all the plants are dead. And I was like, what? He said, yeah, the plants are dead. Like just one day, they shriveled up, and they died. All of them. Every single little baby plant dead. My theory is that without my tender, sweet words of encouragement, they withered from lack of love. Jimbo thinks he overwatered them. His theory, whatever, regardless, I am broken hearted. And now, 
before you start to think that I'm getting just a little too emotional about a few tomato plants, just remember that Jesus once had a really, really bad day and took it out on a fig tree. It's a great story, I think, the one that Hayes and um, Juliana read about, Jesus cursing the fig tree, and it's intriguing. This isn't how we usually see Jesus. This is not the calm, collected, above-it-all Jesus that we've come to expect. The story of Jesus cursing the fig tree and the fig tree immediately withering is found in both the Gospels of Mark and of Matthew. And in both tellings, the story is connected to that other famous emotional kind of outburst of Jesus, the cleansing of the temple. Now, interesting, in Mark, he cleanses the temple, and then he goes and curses the fig tree. In Matthew, it's the other way around. It's the fig tree and then the temple. But regardless, there is this connection between this moment when Jesus is just cursing a fig tree and it withers and dies and that story of Jesus being in the temple and turning over tables and telling everyone to get out and when they don't move fast enough he fashions a whip to hurry them up what I find so particularly interesting about this story of Jesus and the fig tree this week is that scholars and preachers, at least the ones that I read in my research this week, all have pretty much the same interpretation of the event, almost word for word. There seems to be universal agreement that this episode isn't just Jesus getting frustrated. It means something deeper. We can probably go along with that, right? Most scholars and preachers agree, and remember, I mean, this isn't an arguable fact, but remember and recall that in the Old Testament, the fig tree is actually an ancient metaphor for the people of Israel. We find it especially in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, and Hosea. And so the early hearers of this story or the people that were around Jesus when he cursed this fig tree would have immediately connected his actions to a larger condemnation and judgment of the people of Israel. God, through Jesus, is fed up with the scribes and the Pharisees, and he condemns them pretty harshly a little bit later on in the Gospel of Matthew. They have taken the laws and the structure that God gave them and twisted it to be laws for the sake of control, not for the sake of living. And all those involved in this power grab are on God's short list, by golly, and they should watch out. Essentially, now, all of these many years later, Israel, who are now the Jews, are a tree that are bearing no fruit. And they better watch out, or they might get wiped out by a new way that Jesus brings. It's a metaphor. See? The fig tree, Israel, Jesus fed up with it. 
I'm not discounting that wisdom at all. In fact, I pretty much built my life and work around metaphor and symbology, and I get this, this deeper truth, this overarching story. But what I'm finding intriguingly missing in the scholarly interpretations that I read this week, it doesn't mean that others aren't out there, what I'm finding missing is the idea that maybe Jesus was just having a bad day and took it out on a poor plant because he was a little bit hangry and a lot exhausted and perhaps at the end of his proverbial rope. Curse you tree. I was talking this week to my friend, maybe you know her, Dr. Shelley Smith Acuna. She is the Dean of the Graduate School of Psychology at Denver, University of Denver. She also happens to be a member of this church. She's cool and smart. I was telling her that because May, we're in May, is Mental Health Awareness Month, I was thinking about exploring this story of Jesus cursing the fig tree as an opportunity to talk about mental health. And she said, well, sure. I mean, Jesus was irritable in this story, which can definitely be a sign of burnout, which is absolutely a mental health issue. But no scholars write about that. Is it scandalous to consider that Jesus struggled with mental illness? I kind of find it scandalous that in what I read, no one else seemed to even consider it. And why not? I mean, we in the United Methodist Church, we have this doctrine about Jesus, saying that Jesus is both fully divine and fully human. Human and divine at the same time. That means that one's not more important than the other, both, both. So while I'm absolutely all right with us looking to some bigger, overarching divine reasoning behind what Jesus was meaning, or what Jesus meant when he was having this meltdown in the temple, and then zapping a fig tree to death, shouldn't we also consider the human reason behind why he even got to this place? Now in Matthew, after he curses the fig tree, the chief priests and the elders get together with Jesus and they call him out. They want to know where he gets his powers. They just want to find this out. Let's get to the bottom of it, they say, and they ask him, we want to know, does your power come from divine origin or human origin? And Jesus answers with an answer that effectively says, Yes. And I think that's one of the gifts of this story. Of course we see the great arc of Jesus' work and the great and supernatural power that he has through God, divine origin. 
but we also see the humanity, emotion, frustration, anger, exhaustion, overwhelm, passion. And good gracious, don't we all understand? Haven't we all been there at some point, if not right now? And Jesus, after a lifetime of preparation and years of ministry that seemed to yield just so little fruit, you bet he's frustrated. You bet he's overwhelmed. You bet he's on the edge of burnout. So I started flipping through Matthew to see, does Jesus teach us anything about this? How does he tend to his soul in these trying times? You have to get through some more teaching. But eventually, you find that Jesus takes some time out, has dinner with some friends. He goes on a walk, and he finds a quiet garden in which to pray. He reconnects with God. Just like when we're on the verge of our own breakdowns, finding someone to listen, taking a walk in the sun, meditating or praying, eating a good snack, all our strategies to find health and wholeness again, and absolutely do not forget that counseling and medication are real helps and lifesavers for some people. And if you need help right now, anytime, you call me or you call Reverend Jamie Lee and we will find some resources with you. But part of our powerful and transformational connection with God through Jesus is that we know that God knows when we're sad or anxious or stormy or ill, And that God has felt all of those things through the risen Christ. So maybe in all of the efforts of scholars and preachers to understand and explain away this strange story as only part of a larger divine plan, we miss the opportunity to connect deeply and meaningfully with our God. A God who knows our hearts, who hears us, who sees us, who feels us. And for all of that, I give thanks. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.